Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7-365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Well, thanks for joining us again today. You know, Saturday, I really love doing shows on Saturday because they're laid back and we have a lot of fun with them and we bring on special co-hosts time to time. And I've done that again today. I brought back Michelle and her and I have got to be friends over the past year or two. We've done several shows together. Michelle's always a great trooper. She always brings a lot to the conversation. Um, she's really in touch with the indie world and what's going on with, with writers and and books and, and everything that's kind of on the forefront of, of indie. And so about, I don't know, what was it, Michelle, about maybe six or eight months ago, you brought an author to my attention, um, Mary um, Palm, Palmerin, right? Palmerin? And yes. And it was it was a great book. I started following Mary. I just saw all these other people were following her. She was having this huge response to her first book, and so we brought her on. And Michelle, you want to tell us a little bit about Mary? Yes. Hi, Lori. How are you? Good. Um, yeah. I the power of social media. Um, Mary found me on Twitter. Um, yeah, months ago, and we uh, connected, and she told me about her. Her new book, um, I had the chance of reading it. Um, it's called Succumbing to Scars and Sorrows, and it was a wonderful read, and I um, reviewed it on my blog. Um, and it's been really wonderful just getting to meet her and meet um, some other indie authors on Twitter. I had the opportunity to meet Mary um, last month in New York City. She did her first live reading um, at a bookstore called Blue Stockings, and I drove up and got to meet her and a couple other authors that we're friends with. So it's been great. You guys had actually met then? We actually met, yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense and, and just amazing just to actually, you know, you, you have these relationships with people on Twitter and you, you converse daily or whatever, but to actually meet the people in person is just a very surreal, surreal moment to put a face, you know, with, with this persona you get to know on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Mary, you, you started out writing short stories and poems, and then this was your, um, so, Succumbing to Scars and Sorrow, that was your first actual novel? It was, yes. Um, I've been writing for as long as I can remember. I mean, it's been an outlet for me, and I've actually saved every piece that I've ever written. I actually wrote my first little book when I was eight, um, and I still have that. So, um, I did. It was um, my 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 college degree is is not in writing or journalism. It, it's in applied sciences. But I've always continued to write, and it was kind of one of those turning points in my life where I just kind of decided to take a chance. And um, I submitted my manuscript and got it published, and now here I am. <laughs> wow. Well, when did you actually decide to start? To, to write a, a, a novel then, because you hadn't written um, one before, right? Right, right. Um, it was actually shortly after um, I had had my second child, so I had a toddler and a newborn, 
and I, I actually knew what kind of story I wanted to tell. Um, I actually had the title picked out before I even started writing even the first sentence. Um, so I knew that I wanted to tell a story about a woman that, well, to me she's typical because, you know, there are many women out there that struggle and have less than perfect lives. But, you know, as a lover of literature, I mean, every writer was a reader first, I enjoy the happily ever afters and, um, you know, the stories like that. But I, I wanted to write and tell a story about a woman that didn't have it easy. And I wanted to give my readers hope. So I had that idea, and having the idea is a lot easier than actually creating the story. Um, so it was a journey, and it was a process, and um, I had actually written it, but um, I didn't plan on sharing it. I didn't plan, you know, on submitting it, but I, I, I'm certainly glad that I did, because now here I am three books later, well, almost three books. Um, and it's been an amazing journey. It really, truly has. Well, it's not your typical fluffy romance novel. It's it's more deep. I think it's more story-driven um, than than a lot of people might think of romance novels being. And you've really had a a huge, tremendous reaction from your readers. Absolutely. I um, I think I've heard the um, the term boundary pushing and maybe taboo a few times, but um, I, I guess in the world of happily ever afters and romance novels, it, it is, because, you know, women like Lila aren't typically depicted, but women like her, I mean, they exist everywhere, and, you know, like I said, I, I've given women like her hope, and that's a pretty amazing thing, and, you know, lies life is not easy life is I don't believe in easy so I think uh, the response that I've gotten uh, also is people say wow this is real life like you know things like this happen to women and to men and to people every day and you know you're telling a story so that's been pretty pretty amazing when you touch a, a chord with readers like that, when you go to very personal places with them and, and they go there with you, do you find that um, they need an outlet to talk about it as, as the story unfolds? Because you're very social on social media. I am, um, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I have heard from so many Lilas of the world that have emailed me or messaged me, you know, thanking me for telling a story because I, I knew I was I knew I was taking a chance, you know, with a subject like this, and I figured, okay, it's either going to go really well or it's not, <laughs> you know. Um, but but for the most part, it's it's went awesome. And hearing from survivors and women who have endured such things that um, like Lila has is phenomenal like I I've truly reached and superseded the goal that I ever thought you know like I don't I don't necessarily keep keep track of rank or anything like that you know knowing that I've touched people with the story that I created like that's totally enough for me yeah, and I've actually thing, Mary. totally made friends for life you know creating this story I've connected with amazing people 
Mm-hmm. What was your experience like, Michelle, reading the first book? Um, I yeah, I, I, in my review, I'll, I'll say it again. It was definitely boundary pushing. Um, it wasn't your typical happy ending fluff um, kind of story. But I, I had told Mary after I read it, it's, it it takes courage to write a story like that. Um, and I think it's wonderful that she wrote the story for herself, not so much for the accolades, but the the fact that she has touched so many people. I was definitely touched. I mean, there were moments in the book that I was crying um, because the way it's written is in a beautiful way that you connect with her characters. Um, and so you can't help but be emotionally invested in the book. So I, I loved it. It was definitely not um, a light read. It was It was a deep story but it was beautifully written and um i'm 75 percent through mary of your second book and oh wonderful yeah um <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I wish i could say i finished it but it wasn't not that i i don't want to but yeah i'm 75 percent through and it's a great read it's the, it's from the male point of view and again it's just a wonderful um very emotional book and so i suggest it to everybody to go out and, and get both of them Thank you. Well, Mary, did you want to kind of introduce us a little bit to Lila and Everett? Absolutely. Um, I um, released my debut, and um, after I did, I, I just want to touch on this quickly. Um, I got a lot of feedback, too, as far as the character that Lila was. I mean, she, she's self-destructive. She doesn't handle um, certain things, you know, typically. And her coping mechanisms are not healthy. And her view of men has been distorted since a very young age. And, you know, that's depicted in my debut. And I had a lot of people saying, you know, they wanted to know more. Why why was she the way that she was? So I did write a, a prequel novella that is available as an ebook on uh, Kindle. And that, gives my, that has given my readers um, a lot more insight into the extremely rough journey that she had um, through high school and and as a, a young girl. But um, Lila is, comes from a family where um, her father um, died when she was younger, and like I said, she endured some pretty major traumatic things um, as a teenager. So she moves away from her hometown in the Midwest to Chicago, goes to college, kind of detaches herself away from the life that she used to have. She hoped to never revisit it. She hadn't been home in over four years. She just kind of decides after college that she's going to invest all her time and her life into her career. And um, her life has completely changed and turned upside down after she meets Everett, um, a man that many many of my readers have told me seems too perfect in my first book, and I told them, I'm like, I promised you, I, I don't believe in perfect, <laughs> and um, once you read my, my second full-length novel, I think that gives some insight into how he is imperfect, and he does, too, have flaws, just like she does, they just might not be um, visual, as hers are, and, you know, he struggles a lot, too, in the second book, he, they fall in love, their, um, their love for one another is all-consuming and overwhelming, but there's always a catch. I mean, nothing is ever really what it seems. And there's a lot of twists and turns in both stories. And um, 
I, I think there's more in the second full-length novel than there was in the first um, as far as the connection that the two have and the obstacles, really, that they have to overcome. But, I mean, in the end, that's what life is about. It's, it's not easy. It's about overcoming and uh, maintaining to hope, and, and they both do. Well, I, I think that that novella, no wonder that it's been really um, – popular with your readers because just like in life you understand people so much more when you know their entire story things start to really make sense when you know people's story you know a lot of times just superficially we can be looking at people and we judge you know immediately um i wouldn't do that i wouldn't do that or you know i'm not that type of person or whatever but when you know someone's story it all really starts to really make sense and and I, I i personally believe that we have to give people that benefit of the doubt of knowing their story before because really i mean you know and and as you get older in life you really understand this more and more but you really don't know what you would do if you were in that same person's situation and so you know there before the grace of God go I, you know, once you kind of know what happens with people, then it all kind of unfolds, and I, I think you can have more compassion for them. So I, I can see why the novella really gave your readers this background of information on 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 uh, Layla, and they were able to even go further with her, probably knowing her backstory. Oh, absolutely. And, and like with my prequel novella and, and the thing about that as well, releasing it, it's not in the same genre as my other books. It's not in the category of erotic romance. So, you know, the fact that, you know, my readers were willing to take a chance and cross over to, you know, something that they don't typically read is truly amazing, you know, that they believe in the writer that I am um, and that her story really is important. Um so it was important for me. I knew it was a story I always wanted to tell. I knew it wouldn't be um, the type of story that I wanted for my debut. But I, you know, I, I, I'm glad that I got the encouragement from um, my readers to do it, and that's really what pushed me to, to release it. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with Michelle and Mary. We're going to talk about how – much more of the story there is to tell. We're going to see if she's going to be writing any other books. And if you have a question you want to talk to Mary, you can feel free to call in at 646-716-6312. I'm going to play a song. I'm involved heavily in this project in Seattle called the 5252 Project. You can find out more at londontonemusic.com. We're releasing a brand new artist single every single week for the next 52 weeks. This is Kim Virant, and this is Pilot and part of the 5252 Project here in Seattle. I'm going to play it for you. We'll be right back.
apart And the plane goes down And the pilots argue And we hit the ground What else can we do When the plane goes down And the pilots special co-host today, Michelle, and you can find out how to get a hold of Michelle. Her her information is flashing on the screen ahead of you. And uh, our guest author today, which is Mary Palmerin. And Mary has a called Succumbing to Scars and Sorrow and a new book that's coming out called Shadows of Scars and Sorrow as well as a novella. And there's going to be more books. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and what else Mary is doing because she has a lot going on. You know, she's just not a one-trick pony here. She's got all kinds of things going on. And we're going to talk about all of that. So you, you have a, a new book coming out on the 28th, right, Mary? I do. Um, I, as a reader, am, I love to hate cliffhangers, I have to say. Um, but I had a pretty mega cliffhanger, um, at the end of my first book and the, I have a pretty big one at the end of my second. So the actual Sorrow series will have a total of four full length novels that tell Lila and Everett's story. Uh, the second one that's being released on the 28th is from Everett's point of view. And, uh, like I touched on earlier, a lot of my readers are saying, you know, he just seems too perfect. He he seems too good to be true in the first book. And in um, the second book, you know, you, you get his thoughts and his feelings. And um, he really shows that he is imperfect, you know, just as we all are. Um, he, he's got anxiety about, you know, the things that happened in book one and how he's coping with it. Um, and, you know, he has this fear that he's going to lose his beloved. The woman who, you know, has his heart, not to mention all the twists and turns and the connections that the two have. Um, so I, I think that my readers will be happy to see, you know, that he's he's not perfect, that there is something behind that, that, you know, nothing is what it seems. But he, he does love her so very much, and um, I, I think that's depict, depicted as well in the second novel. And um, it, it was a lot of fun writing from the man's point of view. I I did struggle a little bit because, you know, I am a woman, and they say women can be more sensitive. So I think that was a little harder for me, you know, to um, not make him too too sensitive. But um, giving insight into his thoughts and fears was, was definitely important for me to convey to my readers to, so they had a better understanding of him. How much reader input do you take into consideration, Mary, when, when you're writing? Wonderful question. Well, you know, with the first one, with my first, with my debut, obviously, um, none, because I, A, wasn't something I planned on sharing, and then I did, and I'm glad that I did. But with um, all the other stories since, I've met a group of wonderful people, fellow authors and readers, and um, I just have to say, um, Cecily, Kelly, Laurie, Blea, and Ulfa, those are the the five readers that I share my my stuff with every chapter by chapter, I share it with them. 
um, along with my beta readers, um, Becky and Lauren. So, you know, not only do I share it with them, but I, 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 they give me their feedback just as my beta readers do. And that means a lot to me too. I mean, I don't, it's not like I, I'm changing a whole lot, but I, I want to know their feedback and their thoughts because that's important. I mean, I'm not, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not the type of person that's, you know, writing to for fame or something. I, I want to write to tell a good story and touch people. And um, so, so those group of those group of gals, I mean, they're they're pretty awesome and close to my heart. And um, so, I mean, yeah, it's been pretty important. I mean, I, I don't know how other writers are, you know, and what their process is. I just know how I work, and it's been really important to me, especially how much. I mean, I did struggle a bit with the second novel. And um, they they really helped me as well as my beta readers. Mm-hmm. Mary, can we well, can we go you, back to your 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 comment about um, <laughs> cliffhanger? Because <laughs> I'm not oh, yeah. I'm not I'm not good with cliffhangers, girlfriend. Did, did, I know that. Did I leave me hanging the after book two. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just laughing because I remember how you reacted after the first one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not good with that. <laughs> well, the very last sentence. Um, my, I mean, it might make you cry. I, I won't so, lie. Oh, um, be. Now you're gonna, and uh, I'm not one to skip to the end of a book either. I know some people like to read the last page of a book to have that sort of like, okay, things are things are gonna end well. I can now go back and enjoy the book. I like to sort of be pleasantly or horrified at the end of a book. <laughs> so um, now I'm like sitting here stressed out because I have the book right here in front of me on my I'm on my <laughs> iPad. <laughs> You're going to make me go and read the last page now. Or when we go off air, you can just tell me that everything's going to be okay. <laughs> well, you know, the good thing, though, that I will tell you is that, um, you know, I've been told I'm a compulsive writer, or I write very quickly. I write and produce stories quickly. I mean, that's just, I don't do it in order to release it sooner. I mean, that's just how my brain works. Um, I I write. I mean, that's just what I do. Um, so the good thing is, is after this book, um, and after the cliffhanger, I mean, you're not going to have to wait a year until my third full-length novel is released. I can tell you right now that it is already halfway done. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything because I have thousands of drafts, but I will tell you that, I mean, I plan on, you know, releasing that um, this fall. So, I mean, that's the, that's the plus side of having a mega cliffhanger is you're not going to have to wait a year or longer to get the next installment of the series. Killing me, sister. Okay, and all right. <laughs> how many books are there, Mary? Then in in, in in telling the story, you you think there's going to be how many books? Um, there is four. There is four full-length novels planned for the Sorrow series, and in addition to the novels, I am um, there's four novellas, which they're shorter in length than the novels. The one is already released, which is my prequel. And um, I am releasing three more novellas um, that tell the story of other characters within the series. And um, there's actually a little preview of the novella that um, is about Finnish that I plan on releasing in May. And that is um, about Garrett, which is Lila's brother. And um, there will be two other novellas in addition. So a total of eight books in the series. Do you let, Mary, your family or close friends read these ahead of time, or do you just put it all out there at the exact same time for, for everybody? 
Um, no, like I said, um, I have my uh, beta readers and um, mm-hmm. bloggers, like Michelle. She gets advanced copies prior to release. Um, and my beta readers, uh, Lauren and Becky, they read along with me as I write. And, you know, they, they give me suggestions and constructive criticism and, you know, tell me, you know, trans- your transitions need a little bit of work or, you know, your verbiage, whatever. Um, and, and like I mentioned, um, the group of uh, readers, I they also get the same content uh, as my beta readers do. Mm-hmm. My family, no. Um, they actually wait until um, my content is released to buy it. They they are pretty uh, stuck on wanting to buy it, so and not wanting it ahead of time. They want the final the final deal. So the only people who see it prior, are my you know bloggers and and beta readers and readers. Mm-hmm. They say that well, a lot of writers have said that they have characters in their head talking to them all the time who want their stories told. Do you have other characters in your head that that want to have their story told? Oh, absolutely. Like that's with the Sorrow series, I always knew that there was going to be four novels. I never planned on these additional, you know, novellas. And and I think um, especially maybe a, I kind of put little hints here and there in the second book with um, Lila's brother Garrett. Um, you know him, like he was he you know, I, he had a story to tell and, um, you know, so did her sister. So I, I did it and his is nearly done. And of course I always have other ideas as far as other stories and, and books. And I actually have two other separate books that I started, but I had to make myself put those on the back burner until I was, you know, done with the series just because it was a lot, <laughs> you know, being a mother and a wife and, you know, a writer and everything. It was a lot. So, Right now I'm just focusing on the series. Um, I have done a little bit of work on the side for um, Boella Online Magazine. They're wonderful. Um, But as far as that, I mean, it's it's like that for me too. Well, the online magazine Boella that that you also write for, um, you've written a couple things for them. Is that – more of a, a different release for you? Is, is that kind of an easy outlet to, to to let things flow through another creative channel? Absolutely. Um, I actually contacted Amanda Carrington. She is the editor-in-chief of the online magazine, and I just said, hey, you know, do you, do you need any guest posts? Like, I would, I would be delighted to write something. Um, and I, I'm so grateful that um, she agreed to that. And she liked my style, and I got really great feedback from the readers as well. So I actually wrote two posts that were posted on um, the online magazine this week. And it was a lot of fun, actually, because the first one I did, it was more of of an article just talking about a certain subject, not necessarily a story. Um, And then I uh, I did a little bit of a short story after that. And then she released a short story that I wrote uh, this past Thursday. So... It is fun. It gives me a nice little break away from, um, you know, the series. Now, I'm in love with the series. But, you know, it's always good for change up here and there, give my brain a break. And um, it's been great fun. They're wonderful there, and uh, she's just a dear. As a as a mother and and a wife and a very you know busy woman just like a, a lot of women are, where do you write and, and and where do you find the time to write? Because I 
um, and friends with Michelle online and on Twitter, and a lot of times I see that she has to sneak off a lot of times, and she'll say, I'm trying to capture a moment here to write, and I, <laughs> it, it always makes me laugh and smile when Michelle says that, because she will be in some interesting places when, when that happens, um, but because creativity must hit you at different times, I mean, you know, maybe inspiration comes, I don't know, while you're making dinner, I, you know, I don't know, um, but how does things like that, how, how do you find the, the, the time? Well, and and where really do you find the time? <laughs> I really don't, honestly. Um, I never write during the day. You know, I've, I've got my boys, they're one and four. Um, and so if I've got an idea, I always have a notepad or something. And if I don't, then I'll, I'll sometimes, like, send myself an email with a thought. Um, but I only write after I put them to bed at nighttime. And, um you know, I don't really get much sleep, but, you know, that's something I'm accustomed to, and it's fine, um, but I only write at nighttime, and uh, it's just it's just when, when I'm able to, because it's quiet, and I'm at peace, and I've got, you know, my ideas and my notes, if I have any for the day, so um, it, it, that's just the way that I've always been since I've, you know, been a mother, obviously, and um, I have my little writing nook at home. Um, with, you know, inspirational stuff around me, um, sketch, actually my best friend, Christian, uh, is an artist and she's created all my covers and I have the original sketch on the wall. So I have, you know, it's a little inspirational place for me to write. So uh, like I said, it's, I only do it at nighttime. I don't get much sleep, but you know, it's worth it in the end. (laughs) Are you still writing, Michelle? Um, I am, I am. I've I've taken a little bit of a break. Um, I mentioned on one of the shows we did together that, um, aside from the the blogging and the book reviews, that I'm trying to do my own writing for myself. Um, and who knows where it'll go? But again, like like any busy person, it's just hard to find the time and to be um, consistent with it, and sort of just make it a priority to to find the, the time and step away from Twitter, which is like my big, my, as we all know, um, my big addiction, um, you know, but it's, it's hard, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a great outlet and I'm blessed to have people like Mary who will give me their, their books early and lets me read them and review them. So that's a great creative outlet for me as well. So it's been, it's oh been yeah. Great. Every writer was a reader first. I said that like forever. I, I also read and review books something I totally enjoy and I have a major book hangover as of late from uh, Logan Patrick's semblance, a book that I just read. So I agree with Michelle, like being able to get lost in a story is just remarkable and something that I totally enjoy as well. Well, you have talked about the importance of reviews and and what they mean to an author. Can can you kind of go through that and, and share that with the audience again about how important reviews are? Oh, absolutely. You know, and you know, I I, I understand that um, what I create, not everybody's going to like, and I know that I'm not always going to get great reviews, but it's important and you know, spreading the word. And and for me too, I know. I always write reviews for the books that I read and, you know, helping other authors is, is awesome, you know, which is, I do it for that, but I also do it because I enjoy it. Um, But getting the word out, I mean, it's just important to give your thoughts on, you know, you take the time to read it. And like I said, I, I've 
I've gotten a not so pleasant review before, but that's to be expected because, you know, not every story is for every person. But the person takes the time to read my book. You know, I'm I'm honored that they did that anyway, and I want to know their feedback as far as, you know, if did I did I go a little too far, you know, here or did it, you know, is there something that they think that you know didn't mesh well or whatever like that that means a lot to me and I know other authors feel feel the same reviews are crucial because you know it helps us grow as a writer in addition to spreading the word on you know the work that we create well and I think that's where social media can really get the word out quickly to to a lot of people um, and you can you, you can link things through social media and it can just go like fire Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Michelle, do you want? Do you, I want to give you the last question here before we let Mary go. And then, and Mary, I, I want to have you let everyone know where they can find all of your books and 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 stay up to date with you. So, um, Michelle, sure. I will start with you. Um, I'll just ask the question um, about. <laughs> let's talk about sex. Um, <laughs> there's some. <laughs> Why not? There's some there's some steamy steamy sex scenes in in these books, and and my thing is, you know, um, you both have have read my my blog, and I haven't written one in a long time, but I've I've done some fan fiction stuff, and I know the first time I wrote um, or typed out specific words <laughs> in my stories, and you're you're like like looking around. I know I did like I just I just type that word you know and you feel sort of like oh my gosh I mean now it's like nothing but um I just want to know is it is it hard for you to go to that place I mean because there's very intimate um scenes throughout both books um is it hard for you to go there and and be so explicit um in writing and knowing that your family's reading this and and well, not and... all my family. <laughs> my big brother, no, not my big brother, no, not definitely not my big brother either. Um, my sister's super supportive, as of you know, my my mother has read it, and um, all of my cousins, they're wonderful. But you know, for me, it's just another piece to the puzzle of of their story. You know, every relationship, you know, has that, and uh, yeah, they're. Um, it's a little, well, it is quite explicit at times, but, you know, um, I mean, sex is an intimate thing. And, and when, you know, two people love each other, um, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I, got, I get a little, i not embarrassed, because I did an erotic reading um, at, my, at the uh, Blue Stockings Bookstore in New York, and um, I, I think it's just, you know, um, part of their story, you know, and it's in the erotic genre. So, of course, that's, I don't think I have to necessarily get to a special place to write it, um, but that's another reason why I only write at nighttime. Right. You know, <laughs> considering the content of my books, it's not something I would feel comfortable, you know, creating while... you're watching while, the junior and... <laughs> <laughs> or while I have, like, my one- and four-year-old running around me, like, no way. Right. Um, so, no, I don't really think I have to get to a special place. I think it just, you know, I need to be alone and and quiet, and I'm always listening to music when I write, always. Right. Well, you, you've, done a, you've done a well job with it. Um, you know, I think, Thank like you. you said, it's it's definitely important part of the story and it's just a natural 
thing when two people are in love. Um, so congrats to you on both books. And when we hang up, you will tell me what happens at the end of the book. I will. I will, just for you, I promise. I will Thank tell you. Thank you. So I can sleep tonight. <laughs> yes, I, I, I'll, I'll give you peace, I promise. <laughs> well, where can people go, Mary, to find out more and, and join in this conversation and join in the series? Uh, well, my debut is available everywhere um, for every, any ebook on Kobo, iBooks, Kindle, um, Nook, and scribed, and then it can be ordered in um, print and um, paperback as well as hardback on barnesandnoble.com as well as Amazon.com and my publisher's website at archwaypublishing.com. Uh, my prequel novella is available for the Kindle, and that is available on Amazon. And then um, my third book, which is going to be released on the 28th, um, will be available in print as well as the ebook on Amazon. And um, they can go to my blog to keep up with book signing dates and teasers and all that good stuff, and as well as my reviews for other amazing books that I read. Uh, my website is marypalmerinauthor.blogspot.com. All right, Mary Palmerin Author dot blogspot.com. Got it. Okay. Yes. All right, ladies. Well, thanks for coming on. It was a great conversation. As always, you know, it's, it's so interesting always to talk to authors because they have so much going on in their head all the time, but then they're leading these normal lives, almost like Superman, Superwoman, you know, by day they're <laughs> wife and mother, and, you know, and by night they're, you know, sexy kinky lady. And so it's, <laughs> it's very, it, it's always really interesting to, to talk because, People just, I, I think, are, are creative anyway, and so it just inspires everyone to always tap into that creativity side and not be so um, self-censoring maybe. And writing, you know, obviously is, is a good outlet for that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so All much right. for having me. No, no problem. It was my pleasure. I'm going to put you two in the holding room real quick, and I'll be, we'll, we'll be right back. All right, next, I, I want everyone to stay with us. We're going to be bringing two uh, great artists from Seattle on, Bradford Lomas and Mary Whitney, or Beth Whitney. They have written a song called My Beloved, and we're going to debut that on, on the show a little bit later. I'm going to go ahead and transition, get them on the line, so stay with us. I'm going to play one of Bradford's songs right now called See You on the Other Side, give you a little taste of what Bradford is about, and then bring him and Beth Whitney on and we're going to listen and while they talk about this new single they out have out called My Beloved and we'll be playing that. So we'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. Oh my sister, won't you come with me? I'm going down to the river, Lord, let the ghost wash over me. Oh, my brother, won't you come with me? I'm going down to the river, Lord, put the weary soul at ease. I will see you on the other side. Lord, there will be darkness before I see the light. Oh, I may be fearful on
as you're, you're not really a duo, but you're a duo for this. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Beth is from Snohomish, where I'm from, and um, I'd seen her name around quite a bit, but I'd never heard her live. And um, and so we we finally did a show together and and hit it off. Her and her husband are amazing performers, and and uh, I I really liked the way they conduct themselves, and they're obviously extremely talented. And so I asked them if they would be my band for the for the release of the record that you were just playing. And um, we just it just melded pretty well together, and it was a lot of fun. So we we decided to sit down and, and write some tunes together. And my beloved was the first. And, uh, all all uh, fall and winter we we wrote some tunes, and we decided, well, let's, what if we did a record together? And uh, and so we we did, and uh, pretty excited about it. Yeah, it was kind of like a a snowball, you know, gathering more snow and. It- Things just kept kept happening, and we kept writing, and and then it just was kind of a, it was it's all been very natural and natural flow into this cool project. That is interesting, since you didn't have a you know long history together, that you would find this natural flow, like you were saying, kind of just right off the bat, almost soul mates, musically speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I <laughs> well, and and Aaron and Beth are. Uh, you know, sometimes you meet people and you're like, "Wow, okay, these people are going to be my best friends." <laughs> that's that's kind of how it felt. It was just really easy and like, this is this is awesome. It just it felt really right right away. And, um, I've written with some people before to varying degrees of success, and um, you know, it's it's a really interesting experience writing with someone else because it's a really personal and intimate thing writing a song. So to include I- somebody else in that is. Is interesting. Sorry, yeah, and I I think it's great because we we each have um, we have different strengths, um, and yeah. Bradford is I mean as you probably just heard his like percussive, energetic, uh, strumming, and just the the energy in the songs that he writes are is just is contagious. And then um, I I bring more of a finger picky light you know, maybe um, a more of a lullaby sound. And I think together it's just kind of made something pretty cool. So, When you guys write personal and intimate songs together, but yet you're married to other people, is that do you find that restrictive at all? Or is it just, you know, part of the job? I, I well... No, <laughs> actually, honestly, I mean, the the place we've done the songwriting the most is um, in in mine and Aaron's living room um, because we have a eight month old, so uh, we'll you know we'll put him to sleep and then Bradford comes over and we write together there. We usually make some tea and actually, um, yeah, Aaron's there a lot of times, so he's actually chiming in on things and. Um, you know, we're not like this. Like my beloved, you know, I the the words behind that. I think we're both thinking about, you know, what we would say to our spouse, and it's it's just, um, you know, two artists singing those together. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would totally. I mean, intimate in the sense that, like, a lot of times you're writing from stuff that's deeply personal or emotional for you. Um, but I mean, 
I don't really think there's a relationship that any or an emotion that any one person has experienced alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like every, every so everybody's felt what yeah, we're I, writing about, and so we can both kind of tap into that. And we're both married to other people, and so we we understand like how relationships can be glorious and how they can be a challenge. And uh, yeah, and it's been it's been a really cool process to just kind of get somebody else's um, thoughts on how to approach a song and, and because you, you fall into patterns too. It's like, I write very specific ways. And so writing with, writing the songs with that was really interesting to see, Oh, cool. This is a different way to do this. And uh, so it, it kind of pushes you outside your box. And that's always a good thing when you're trying to be creative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. The only reason I ask that question is because sometimes when we're, you know, we haven't known people a really long time, you know, sometimes you might hold back being like, oh, maybe I don't want to go there with this person or maybe I don't really want to put that out or maybe I'm embarrassed or, you know. But, oh, um, yeah. but it sounds like that you guys were able to just, you know, find that connection and have that um, uh, comfortability with, with each other. Yeah, I, I, it is. Yeah, it is comfortable I guess. It's yeah, it's um I uh I I really like honesty in writing and um just kind of being, you know, joined in the human experience with, with everybody and um I find just when you're honest it encourages other people to be honest and you know, regardless of um you know, if it's your brother or sister or a stranger on the bus, I mean there's a human connection with everybody and um, it's really cool and that can be taken artistically and spread on a canvas kind of like what we've tried to do. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's like a, well, that's an awesome answer, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say to you like another word for honesty in, in what she was saying is vulnerability. I mean, it's yeah. the hardest thing about being an artist is you're you're expressing something, you know, and you're wanting to 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 get this out, um, but you're also wanting to connect. I mean, that's part of the kind of the other side of the coin, I think, and that's hard to do if you're um, if you're enigmatic all the time. I think I think it's really tricky to to, to show no vulnerability and have anyone feel a connectedness to you, yeah. uh, unless you have some kind of massive exposure that people are going to hear it. And, and arrive at their own conclusions without you being involved in the process. But I mean, even in creating lyrics, you're in some level being um, being very very vulnerable. And so we we both really wanted to try to kind of cut to the quick and, and be vulnerable uh, within the songs. And, and, uh, well, the thing about artists is they all are always putting themselves out there. You know, it's they yeah. are whether they're writing or singing or painting or whatever. They they are being vulnerable. I mean, it takes a lot of courage, I think, to really put yourself out there like that and open yourself up to the you know really the the, the public and um, show them your heart and show them your soul and show them what you're thinking and then wait for that um, feedback. To, to to come in, so I have a lot of respect for artists because they're always putting themselves out there like that, and it's it's just a, a very courageous profession. Huh. I like um, Lauren Hill once once said, uh, I think in her like MTV Unplugged um, thing that she she did, she said, 
oh, we're all in the same mess here. And that's always stuck in my head when I, um, you know, it helps me see other people really and see them honestly because I just have yet to meet someone who's not struggling with, you know, something really significant. Right. That's part of the human experience for sure, you know. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm always uh, um, skeptical when, when I when I see people who, you know, it just always seems like everything's, you know, perfect because you know you, you just can't make it through this through this journey, this this human journey, these these souls and human bodies. You know, I mean, it's it's a yeah. it, it's a difficult road, and when we can help each other transition through those roads it sure makes it a lot easier on some days yeah totally well let's talk about the kickstarter you guys had a very successful kickstarter and so when did you start it and when did it end and what what's going to happen now that that uh, it's it's funded I think we just go to Paris. I think that's it. We're going to take our family. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I can't even believe the support that's come in. I like I'm getting tears in my eyes just thinking about it. I'm um it, I just I'm I'm kind of a I can be kind of pessimistic. I I knew that people were, you know, generous and kind and that they, you know, they liked the music and everything, but just when pledges started rolling in and it you know got to that point where it was like we're going to make this goal and then it got to the point where it was like we're going to make we're going to make this goal and then we're going to you know have a little bit more to do even more things with this album publicity and things like that I just I'm still kind of like floored with the with the feedback we've gotten it just seems like people want to hear these songs and that's just so encouraging to me so well, I'm, I'm I'm not surprised. You know, Seattle was named the number one downloader of indie music by Amazon, and that oh, wow. that did not come as a huge shock to me um, because I knew that there's this huge support for indie artists because it's around us all the time. We are, and really, it's an embarrassment of riches in Seattle with how much talent is actually here. So when this came out and it, it was all over the news and Rolling Stone covered it and everywhere else about Seattle being the number one purchaser of indie music, I was so proud. And then, so when yeah. you're telling me this about the Kickstarter, it just, it, you know, it just, um, again, just pounds the set that fact home that, that there's a, so much support and I, I, I couldn't be happier for you guys. Thanks. Oh cool. Thank you. Yeah, so we I mean so, right now the, the the album's being mixed and then it'll be mastered mm-hmm. and then we've got you know, we wanna get as much press as we can. Um and, you know, to really get the get the tunes out there and do it right. So kind of in the middle of all that right now. Can people yeah. still pre order the album? Or do they have to wait for it to come out? Oh, <laughs> great question. Um, well, yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Yeah. I, we want to we want to honor those people that um, you know that did the Kickstarter because it's kind of the perk of doing the Kickstarter is you know you that's the pre-order process. But um, yeah, well, I guess we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll probably do a pre-order um, at some point, but it'll probably be closer to the actual release. Okay. Yeah, and I mean that's that's the tough thing about the Kickstarter is that you're you're kind of letting people um, in on an exclusive 
aspect of backing the record before it's out. So you get a lot of like a lot of the perks of, you know, um, experiences and things you wouldn't get normally, um, you know, that are that have to in, in fact be exclusive because you're you're creating a draw with helping to get that record made. And it's a little different than just a slap pre-sale, but yeah, we'll we'll probably do some kind of a pre-sale before. Yeah, yeah, I think we yeah, we will totally. Well, <clears throat> When is the record scheduled to, to be released? Do you, do you kind of have a, a time frame on that? We do. Um, we have it scheduled for May 10th. Okay. And um, we're teaming up with some amazing people to help get the word out. Um, and so we, the Watt sisters, uh, Kristen and Carrie Watt from Seattle Living Room Shows and Seattle Secret Shows are, are teaming up with us to help um, have a absolutely magical night the uh the lineup is coming together so we're may 10th is the date but we uh we can't release too many details just yet um because we're still buckling a few things down but if you want to save that date you can just kind of pay attention to our website mine's bradford loomis or bradfordloomis.com and beth's is bethwhitneymusic.com um we'll get the we'll get the word out further with the uh with the other acts performing with us that night and where it'll be specifically Perfect. Perfect. And we'll promote that as well, and we'll put those um, those links up on our website so that people can click on that um, and and follow along. And I'll tell you, excellent performances all the time. Um, I, I know Bradford that that people just really love going out and seeing you perform. Beth, the same thing. I've never heard a bad thing about a bad show. It's always people come in with huge expectations and they're always exceeded on both of your shows. So coming together, oh, I mean, it, it's really a, a music lover's fantasy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, All right. Well, we're going to play my beloved for everybody. We're going to put those links up. I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, hey, I really would like to have you guys back on in May right before the, the, the release or right after release somewhere in there and we can follow up and, and see how the whole thing is going as well but we'll continue to promote it up until that date but I certainly would love to have you guys back that would be great I would yeah. love it <laughs> we're, All right. we're going to play My Beloved by Bradford Lomas and Beth Whitney and then we'll be right back the word and come back if you can boy I appreciate that tons Give a nice welcome back from Seattle, Washington, to Bradford Loomis and Beth Whitney.
thanks again for coming, y'all. Really do appreciate it. Give a nice welcome back from Seattle, Washington. This year's Bradford Loomis and Beth Whitney. This is a song called My Beloved.
Thank you so much. Well, that's our show. We would like to thank our listeners, our guests, and, of course, our sponsor, Audible.com. We've included an easy one-click link to Audible.com where you can just go and browse and check out and see if catching up on your reading is right for you through an audiobook. The first book is free. doesn't cost anything to check it out. So check it out. Get back with us. Let us know what you think. And be sure to also check out NorthwestPrime.com for this interview and other great interviews that we've had with numerous celebrities and other entertainers in the past. Thanks and have a great day.